Well, top of the morning to you. It is Tuesday, February 28th, the last day of February, and this is our key market drivers call for the week. There's our contact information as always, and let's just uh, get into it. I think to give uh, a bit of a backdrop to the week, um, Soy Complex really didn't do a whole lot last week. It was pretty quiet, at least measured from Friday close to Friday close. Had a bit of volatility in the meantime, but the corn and wheat market uh, took a bit of a thumping last week. You could see there that uh, wheat prices were down 6 to 8%. Corn was down a little over 4%. And when you look around and, and try to figure out the reasons for why it becomes, a, a, I think the biggest one is just this. It's just that uh, China uh, has gotten in the mix here just a little bit and is trying to broker a peace deal. Um, and that has kind of sent, I think, one of the reasons that uh, uh, prices have kind of backed off here a little bit. Scott will talk to you about wheat in a bit. But uh, sounds like we've gotten a, a bit of rain here in hard red winter wheat country and things may be looking a little bit better. Uh, the other thing that we'll talk about today, uh, don't know that it moved markets an enormous amount, but uh, maybe a bit is USDA Outlook Conference. Um, one of the things that has been kind of starting to show up, uh, USDA Outlook Conference numbers kind of um, uh, showed this as well. Uh, but when you start looking at the analyst community and you start looking at corn and soybean balance sheets and, you know, what happens if we have a normal growing season for a change, um, looks like the corn stock situation would rebound a good bit quicker than beans will. At least that's the uh, that's the current set of estimates with current demand estimates and uh, trend outlined yields. So that's kind of what's driving prices, I think, uh, right now talked about the Ukraine-Russia war deal. Scott, do you want to give us an update on kind of where the, the negotiations are? I haven't heard a heck of a lot, but have you? Well, um, yeah, I think um, uh, nothing really more. In fact, I read a wire this morning that said that, uh, uh, they didn't say that Ukraine was, you know, pleading or begging, um, but there was a Reuters story that came across this morning that, uh, uh, is saying that that Ukraine is saying, hey, uh, we've got a deadline coming here on March 18th. Can we start talking about this thing? And they were um, petitioning basically the UN and Turkey to let's get this thing going. Now, we can go back, what was it, 10 days ago? We thought we were going to have some negotiations start last week. And last week came and went. Um, they said, well, that'll probably start this week. Well, here we are Tuesday and we still haven't seen or heard anything uh, in the way of actual, you know, let's sit down and talk about things. Um, you, you'd think so, that would put a little bit more of a risk premium in the market, but it's been sell, sell, sell when it comes to wheat, seems like the last week or so. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've heard a little bit about, uh, you know, some better hard red winter wheat conditions, although not every state was was better. Um uh, but the other thing I, I think, uh, too, is this notion that, that China was the one, kind of an odd place to begin, but China was the one that, that was kind of really the first uh, uh, big uh, state uh, to, uh, you know, um, um, uh, country state to come out and say, hey, you know what, you guys should, should uh, come to peace on this thing. Um, there's a few other Western diplomats calling for peace. And, and that might be starting to gain a little bit of traction. Um, all of the West, President Biden and, and, and our administration and the UK and uh, NATO, uh, the EU, all kind of poo-pooed what came out of the China's deal. But um, 
and and honestly, there wasn't a lot of of real big meat in that twelve point uh, uh, peace proposal. Uh, but it was interesting that that one of their proposals or one of the the twelve points was actually that you know we need to get a a, a new um, uh, safe passage deal done. So that was seen as uh, initially seen as kind of bearish, and it's certainly followed through. Well, China would have a great deal of leverage uh, with Russia because that's where apparently a lot of uh, uh, Russian energy is going right now. So we'll see where this all plays out. Looks to me to be uh, got a bit more risk in it than the market seems to think, but uh, the market's usually right, and uh, it's the rest of us that have to catch up. So thanks, Scott. Um, well, other thing I wanted to kind of call out here, I think it's almost piling on at this point. We talked last week about uh, the, 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 the three latest uh, economic data markers that we've gotten that all kind of point to the Fed maybe not being done raising interest rates. Uh, here's another one, the PCE price index. Now, we're used to the producer price index, consumer price index. This is another index that is published by the U.S. government uh, that supposedly the Fed watches even closer than they watch those other two. Uh, and it, too, did it showed that inflation is still alive and well. Market was looking for this to decelerate from last month, and it just didn't. This one actually went up a little bit. So, <clears throat> looks like the Fed has still got work to do. That's got uh, breathing some <clears throat> renewed strength, as we talked about last week, into the value of the dollar. I think it was about 114 when, or 104 when we spoke last week, uh, about 104.6 when I walked in to do the call here this morning. So enough about that. Let's hop into the USDA Outlook Conference data and see what they told us. So uh, I suppose you could call this a Captain Obvious moment. You can see over here, this is the USDA Outlook Conference. This is Bill's kind of first pass, if you will. Um, Bill's got a little bit more uh, corn planted area than the USDA is using. Uh, Bill is using a little bit lower yield. Now, the USDA, how they calculate trend line yields, we don't want to get off into that detail ditch here this morning, but um, it looks to be a little bit aggressive. Bill showed us some data sets and uh, boy, you can pick a lot of different data sets going back about as far as you want, and it's hard to get the trend that high. So well, that's um, a record, right? Well, yeah, it would certainly be a new record, which that part of it, I don't guess, is quite so bothersome. But um, yeah, it just seems to be pretty aggressive. Bill's even being uh, a good bit more conservative here. And yet the Captain Obvious moment is, you know what? If we have a normal growing season, which is I have to remind people, normal weather is the norm. Um, we have just gotten, it seems like we have gotten clipped, uh, you know, the better part that we haven't had trend yields in uh, a handful of years here, just because we continue with this three-peat La Nina to kind of clip yields in the western edge of the Corn Belt. Um, but if that is changing, and if we are seeing a pattern change, like many believe we will, and if we see this La Nina go away, like is predicted, um, are we going to have a better chance at trend yields? The message here is, you know what, you take one gigantic, actually in the case of Bill's numbers, several gigantic steps back away from the edge of the cliff, and you really recover corn stocks quite a bit. If you look at Bill's 15.5% use, um, I wouldn't say that's burdensomely large, but that is plenty corn. Uh, that's a lot of corn sitting around. History would tell you to 15% stocks to use. Uh, corn prices certainly would not need to start with a five or a six. Uh, and honestly, in the past, I'm not trying to predict sub $4 corn prices, uh, please don't put me on record as saying that. But when we've had 15% of use and higher in the past, we have had corn prices that started with a three, not even a four. So uh, maybe that's what uh, the market's starting to recoil a little from uh, as well. 
Looking at soy complex, similar story, but, uh, and this is kind of one of the other messages that has kind of come out of this. You rebound soybean oil stocks to tolerable levels, but it's really hard to see your way to ample or burdensome uh, stockpiles of beans. So we need trend yields just to get back away from this, you know, 5% of use, 200 million bushel edge of the cliff, if you will, that we're going we're, we're gonna to be living at this year, depending on whose numbers you want to use. So, um, you know, maybe we do need a little bit more bean acres. Um, I'll show you the where we're at here with one day to go in the um, insurance pricing uh, in just a little bit. But the last handful of days here, we have uh, we've seen corn fall back quite a bit and soybean prices really hadn't fallen back very much at all. And we've seen that corn bean ratio uh, stretch up to almost 2.4, which would certainly favor beans a little bit. I wonder if the market's trying to buy a few bean acres back. So anyway, what did, uh, what did, <coughs> excuse me, what did the Outlook t Conference tell us on wheat, Scott? Um, well, uh, again, a little bit aggressive. Um, one thing I'll note on this slide, um, that, that red column with the red letters, that's actually the, the USDA Outlook. Uh, Bill's got a, a a header that's that's mislabeled oh, there. Yep. Um, you know, but I, I think more acres is the first thing that that pops out to you. Um, that is not really too surprising, knowing that we've already seen our winter wheat acres um, in the January report were up eleven uh, percent. So in total now, when you add in the spring wheat acres, uh, USDA has forty nine point five. That's up 3.8 million, uh, 8%. Um, that's a little less than Bill, um, but directionally it seems to be uh, correct. When you come to the yield line, um, again, a, a little bit aggressive, I think, here from the USDA at 49.1, but again, that's a model. That's well below still the uh, record. We had uh, a record yield back in 1617 that was 52.7. Wow. Now, Bill here is is a little bit uh, uh, more conservative, and honestly, I I uh, I, I would probably uh, align more with Bill. Um, and Bill's got a lower number mainly because of those you know pretty tough hard red winter wheat conditions that we got going right now. But uh, again, when you boil it all down and get to the bottom lower right hand corner. Um, you have a pretty nice rebound, not as much from the USDA. They just barely get over 600 million bushels, which is almost 31% stocks to use. Uh, bills at 656. Um, the main difference here uh, is two. Uh, Uncle Sam is calling for uh, twice as much feeding as what Bill is, uh, 100 million uh, bushels of feeding. Um, I, I have a, a little bit of a tough time with that, knowing that our cow numbers are coming down both for beef and for uh, the dairy herd. Um, and then the other difference is in exports. Uh, they've got another 50 on top of, uh, of, of uh, what Bill's got at 825. Um, you know, we're not competitive today. I, I don't know uh, what the next year will bring, but it's kind of hard to... Uh, I think that we're going to be that much more competitive in the coming year. So um, end of the day, uh, whether you're Bill or USDA, we would have more comfortable stocks. So. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, look at what corn is down here. We were down over 27, almost 28 cents uh, last week. 
Um, and I, again, I think I think some of that is uh, what's going on in the Black Sea that we've talked about already. I think to some degree, corn is kind of following wheat a little bit. I think wheat is clearly the leader. Scott will talk about that here in just a second. Um, and and I, I think that maybe a stronger dollar has put a little bit of weight on this. But I think these balance sheets, not that they were revelations, but I think when you start to look at it uh, with the better weather that we've been seeing that Paige will talk about here in just a second. Uh, you can, if, if you see your way to a kind of a normal planting season and a normal growing season, um, you can kind of see your way back out of the fog here just a little bit with some of these prices. And I think the revelation is when you look back historically at, you know, where have prices been in the past when we had a scenario like we just showed you a couple scenarios from the Outlook Conference, um, near $6 and over $6 corn is is clearly way overpriced. Again. Given that scenario, we still got to plant a crop and grow it, but um, I think that's maybe what uh, is kind of weighing on some of these markets here uh, just a little bit. Not not really a whole lot new on the slide there, so I won't waste your time. We'll flip over here to Scott and have him tell us why we took an abject beating last week. Well, again, I, I'm not sure I could tell you exactly why, but uh, certainly we are down. Um, the, the big call out there is on that top bullet. I think we've got Chicago wheat prices, remember that's soft red winter wheat pricing, Chicago wheat futures, 17 month lows. We're actually lower today than we were when we started the war. Wow. Um, so, you know, not quite there um, on, uh, on Kansas City or Minneapolis. Uh, both of those are kind of down on those lows, but, but not pre-war type levels just yet. So that's that's a big thing, and, and you can see there in the international pricing bullet, um, everything was lower. Uh, certainly, our, our U.S. prices were lower, but we're still 15 to 20 bucks higher. If you look at uh, uh, soft red winter wheat at the Gulf, uh, FOB the Gulf, we're still 15, 20 bucks higher than what's being traded out of Russia right now. 290 got traded last week. Uh, Azov Sea that goes out the Black Sea, um, that was down a good bit from the week prior. So they're still, um, they're still low guy in the world right now. Uh, Russia is, and uh, other than that, uh, other than the things that I mentioned here, um, you know, our bullish, bearish, uh, uh, big bearish and, and bullish bullets still remain. So. Interesting to see what, uh, you know, as we come out of dormancy, I mean, we'll start getting in a, in a little over a month, uh, we'll start getting USDA weekly condition reports on that hard red winter wheat crop. And you wonder if some of this recent moisture um, is, is uh, how much is that's going to help, uh, how much yeah. that's going to help conditions when the, when the ground starts to warm back up. We'll see. We, we got, yeah. uh, got a little bit of news in that, that uh, subject here in a, in a bit. Yeah. Well, you can see when you look at the top here on prices in the soy complex, not a not a lot of movement. Um, corn was down hard, wheat was down even harder, and soybeans actually managed a teeny tiny little rally last week. Now, that probably does endanger us of drowning in the river that averages three foot deep because corn bean prices were way up early uh, and then fell way back down here later in the week, ending up about where they ended the prior week. Uh, so a little bit of a, a little bit of a wild ride there. Um, the Argentine crop. Uh, is just uh, just an abject disaster, and it's kind of a race to the bottom. You can see here, Cordonier uh, is now down to 32 million metric tons. 
Uh, the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange is down to 33 and a half. It's like there's almost a race amongst the analyst community right now uh, to who can have the lowest number. So how bad is this crop? It, it's kind of hard to tell. It is really honestly hard to tell. A little bit better moisture we're kind of seeing down there, but we are probably getting relatively quickly here to the uh, too little, too late um, uh, sort of uh, uh, sort of place. When, when you look at, we've we talked about crop insurance last week. It's the February futures average for uh, December corn and November beans uh, that is driving this. I forgot to talk about that on on uh, the corn side when I was back here, but the corn price dropped from about 595 last week with this drop in corn down to 592 and a half. This week, your soybean price uh, actually held pretty steady at a little about 377 or 1377 and a half. That corn bean ratio is starting to creep up. And if you, that's the average ratio at those two prices for the month. If you look at the daily uh, corn bean ratios, we are just under 2.4 for new crop. And that's starting to, to get towards that edge of the range that maybe favors beans a little bit. And, you know, maybe some of that is just what I'm talking about here about the uh, balance sheets. A little bit harder to see your way to burdensomely large stocks with beans than maybe it is with corn uh, with the normal growing season. So, Probably enough about that. Um, we have talked about uh, soybean harvest in Matagrosso and Safrina corn planting uh, in uh, in Matagrosso as well. You can see that we're making great progress here. We are just about back to where we were last year at this time on beans. We are still below the five-year average getting this Safrina corn crop planted, uh, but we are certainly gaining ground. Uh, we are gaining ground in uh, Mato Grosso. We are gaining ground uh, nationally in Brazil. And I think for the most part, a lot of this crop is going to get in. I mean, today is kind of the end of the ideal planting window. Uh, but again, remember, these numbers are almost a week old by the time we give them to you. They won't be updated, I think, until tomorrow afternoon. But I think we're going to find out that we're going to get this crop in in pretty good order. Veg oil side of things, um, again, palm oil kind of parked here just a little bit, up another 10 bucks last week, very close to kind of the top end of this range. Uh, we've had a lot of discussions in the marketplace with palm oil experts that we talked to about, boy, is this going to be the time that we're going to break out of this range and we're, we're going to go over $1,000 in the FOB market? Or are we going to come back down? Well, it, it's kind of hard to say. We're kind of living on the edge here a little bit, um, but I will tell you this, the market was down 2% today. So maybe we are going to stay range bound. That is uh, certainly, I think you got to, if you're, if you're one of these people that plays the odds, uh, that is probably the bet just simply because that's been driving markets. We have been in this range for uh, well over three months at this particular point in time. So um, you say strategy grains here uh, raises their EU rapeseed forecast. I believe that would be a new record. Uh, that is a big crop. And you can also see here, I don't need to read them to you. Uh, but Canada lost a lot of demand last year when we had to ration demand for that very, very short crop. Uh, they're kind of fighting their way back. They're regaining quite a bit of this demand, although they're still not back to kind of where they were pre-drought uh, pre uh, uh, the crop before this last one. So we still don't have a lot of information from the Indonesian government. There's a lot of talk. They still have not changed the domestic marketing order. Um, many people in the industry think that that's probably the next shoe to drop. We are also picking up out of Indonesia uh, that they have maybe rescinded a handful of export licenses. But again, uh, still no well-communicated uh, path forward from the Indonesian government. And that's probably something else that's also propping prices up uh, in, that, in that, uh, that palm oil space. So 
Enough about that. Let's just move on here. Uh, got good news, and I got some. Oh wait, wait a minute. Don't want to pass the dairy stuff here. Where are we? There you go, Scotty. Why don't you tell us what's going on in the dairy space? I think your mute's on. Yeah, I was just trying to get the old mute off. Uh, let's let's jump ahead two slides. We've got um, uh, the the uh, USDA um, milk and and dairy reports out that came out last week. The first one being uh, January milk production, a um, little bit bearish. You know, we had a actually a, a kind of a nice start to to begin 2023. Um, uh, your your milk was 19.3, 1.3% year over year, a little bit above expectations. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it was a huge surprise, but uh, it was a nice start. And then on the, the cow numbers, you know, we've been kind of beating on the the whole um, cow numbers thing here lately, um, both on the beef beef side as well as the dairy side. Uh, we come in at 9.405. That's up nine. Um, it's up 38,000 year over year, and that's even after they revised the 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 the. This, that's easy for me to say. The December numbers down 4,000. So again, a, another real nice start to the year. Um, when you go forward one more slide, uh, we had our cold storage numbers, and this was a bit of a mixed bag. It was bullish on cheese because we just didn't do a heck of a lot, not nearly as much as expected. Uh, 1.44 billion pounds, um, only up uh, three-tenths of a percent month over month, and the same, check that, down three-tenths of a percent month over month, and also down three-tenths of a percent year over year. Um, that was quite a bit below expectations. Uh, the first time we've gone down from December to January uh, in five years. Um, butter, uh, again, the mixed bag was that butter was, was actually up pretty good. We had uh, uh, January stocks at 263 million pounds. That's well above expectations up 46 from what we were in in December um, and just shy of 20% increase year over year so that Those are big feels chips. yeah that feels really pretty good um, and and now I'm gonna ask you to go back to to the weekly update it you know our our cheese prices have kind of been in that uh, middle 190 range for a while remember we bounced up there. We had a brief stint and stuck our head below 190 and then back up to 191 yesterday. Um, I, I think the big news here is that uh, um, uh, not a lot has changed in the milk uh, pricing uh, and the, the cheesemakers are continuing to run pretty full schedules. We still have a huge, huge supply of barrels in the marketplace, um, 216 barrels year to date, uh, and, and there's a uh, a pretty dramatic discount for barrels in the market right now. It's kind of hanging right in that um, uh, 40 to 50 cent range. And I think that's going to stick with us for a while. Um, international pricing, we did get our global dairy trade numbers out um, last week. That's at 231. Um, and so our prices are kind of in the middle. You see the German price there at 159. And uh, global dairy trade at 231, and so we're kind wow. of in the middle there. Um, butter, uh, a little, you know, more of the same there. Kind of a quiet trade. We haven't seen much trade here on the spot lately. We only had one lot trade last week, um, but plenty of cream. 
our our inventory seemed to be in pretty good shape heading into the spring. Uh, most of the uh, manufacturers are still running pretty strong. Um, and again, looking at uh, uh, international pricing compared to where we're at, we're in that uh, you know upper 230 range to mid 240s, um, and we are the high guy in the world. Uh, Dutch, German, and global dairy trade numbers all down in those lower 220s. So uh, that's what I know on the dairy side. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, got some good news and got some bad news on the CFTC commitment of traders report. The good news is, is we actually got new information. Uh, the bad news is we've just got one single month updated here, or one week updated, uh, gets us now to the end of January. So we're still flying a month blind on this thing, and hopefully we will start getting multiple reports. I don't think that they were going to dump all of these to us on a Friday, were they, Scott? I thought they had indicated that they were going to give us the reports as the information came available, even it's during the week. Has, have they changed that, or did I just no, miss here? No, that's what I understand, is that they were going to give them to us as they got them. But they also were very uh, quick to tell everybody, we're not going to release anything unless we, we know it's good, kind of a thing, which you'd kind of like to have happen. Yeah. So Be handy. Be handy. All right. Well, Paige, what have you got for us on the weather front? Yeah, so this is the past seven day precipitation slide. Um, you can see that some of those areas, those dry winter wheat areas that we kind of continue to talk about, actually got a little bit of rain, um, probably not nearly a lot. But if you actually, if you flip to the next slide, I think Scott put this one in here. Um, this looks like some pretty good precipitation kind of in central Kansas and north central Oklahoma. Um, Probably not very widespread at this point, but definitely actually looking pretty good. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add on that, Scott? Well, I, I guess I would say that um, that center third of Kansas, north central Oklahoma has been getting, you know, halfway decent rains. It's still that that panhandle region, southwestern Kansas. Um, that's where you really need to see uh, the rain. And this, while it was pretty good, I mean, there's some some darker greens in there that get you up to around an inch of rain. That's still not enough. Um, you know, we need to see more of that uh, to to uh, to get us to where we need to go. Uh, Kansas, when I pull out the the conditions um, that were the monthly conditions to end February, we're at 19% good to excellent. That's down two. Now, con conversely, Oklahoma was at 36% up, hold on to your hats, 19%. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, remember those are subjective numbers and how they get to them sometimes, I wonder. Um, but we, we definitely still need some more help in Kansas. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine how they put condition ratings on a crop that's, that's dormant. Um, that's like, checking the health of your lawn in the winter by looking out the window and going, huh, it's not growing much, but I guess we'll see. We certainly need more moisture here. Um, so with that, we can kind of go right into this seven day forecast. Um, kind of again, more of the same, a little bit of rain expected in those dry winter wheat areas, I guess kind of that Western part of Kansas, like we're talking about, looks like they got a little bit of a darker shade of green there. Um, and then right on the tip of that panhandle of Oklahoma, but kind of like Scott said, they could definitely stand um, to use quite a bit more moisture. So not terrible, West, but 
West Coast is getting pounded again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they would probably stand to like some of those darker colors there. But seems like another week where that is just not the case for them. But at least it's not white on the forecast, yep. which yep. has been the case for a while now. Um, if you want to pop forward. Um, this is kind of, I feel like I've touched on this kind of week after week. Obviously, you can still see those uh, winter wheat areas remain dry. But really kind of the rest of the Corn Belt is not looking too bad there. Um, I know kind of up north, Nate probably has 752 feet of snow left. Um, to melt after that lovely storm that they had last year or last week. So otherwise, yeah, the corn belt's not looking too bad as we kind of inch closer to a little bit uh, closer to planting. So that's not looking too bad. If you want to pop forward, I believe it's the longer term forecast. Um, the six to 10 and eight to 14 day uh, look like it might be cooling down a little bit in the Midwest again. Um, but really, it's that pre those precipitation maps that I wanted to point out. Kind of, the, again, those dry winter wheat areas look like they should maybe have some chances for above average precipitation that looks good, um, over the it? next two weeks, mm -hmm. uh, if it comes to fruition. But yeah, as of right now, uh, that would definitely be beneficial. And I think that's probably all I had on U.S. weather. Yeah, I mean, it looks, it, it just, it almost looks like you're, we're seeing a bit of a pattern change. Mm hmm Can you guys hear me? I can hear you, but we have lost Dave, I think. Scott, can you hear us? I can. Um, are we still recording? We are, but we can't even control the slides. I was going to turn to the next slide. I wonder if I go like. I've asked to take control of the presentation. Hmm. Well, this is fun. Well, we've had I guess what what else do we have left page? It was this and then South America. What's going on in South America? Yeah, I can touch on South American weather here. Um, so Brazil, I believe, kind of still had some heavier pockets of rain a little bit farther out into the forecast. So probably a coin toss on if those actually come to fruition. But really, the next two weeks of Argentine rain didn't look too dang bad. Um, it was pretty widespread, actually. It kind of covered pretty good part of the whole growing region it wasn't just kind of isolated over in the west kind of over the mountains like we've seen in the last couple of weeks um but kind of to dave's point earlier it's probably too little too late uh probably kind of just raining in more damage at this point as opposed to actually benefiting the crop but definitely looks better than it has but probably too little too late at this point all right, so I guess that probably about wraps it up then, huh? <laughs> sorry for so. our technical difficulties. Well, yeah, sorry about that. That happens. So what's Dave's line always that we, we sign off with? Uh, be careful out there. Be careful out there. <laughs>